What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Posbon, and you are listening to part three of episode 19 of VGM Generations. And with me this time is Norm Garrick. Ooh, uh, ooh, uh, ooh, uh. <laughs> and Jordan Walensky. You win. Uh, very good. <laughs> they just get more creative every time. And uh, this month, in this series of episodes, we are talking about anything we want. This is Anything Goes Month here on VGM Generations, and it is Jordan's turn to go first. So, Jordan, what do you have for us this week? Well, thank you. Um, because Anything Goes, I have some sloppy leftovers from <laughs> Evolution Month, going back a few months. Um, when we were doing our research for the evolution of a song, I actually had about five in my pocket, and I picked four, and I had one left. And it was a really good one, and I had a really... Really neat story to go with that, but it just didn't win. And I thought, you know, I did a little more research and thought, you know what, this one's pretty good. Let's let's talk about it. So that said, the evolution of the song I'm going to talk about, I think it actually predates the first game it was ever heard. Now, to explain that a little bit, let's go back to 1979. Um, there was a jazz musician and a now Grammy Award winner. His name is Lee Rittenauer. And he just released his, uh, he just released a jazz album by the name of Friendship 2. It was a follow-up to Friendship, which he put out the year prior. Um, now he was on a new record label. So the album was sort of a fresh start and, you know, full of smash hits that would turn the jazz world upside down. Little would Lee know that one of the songs on this album would become a huge influence on the world of video game music. So <laughs> where are we going? <laughs> where are we going? We're going to 1979. And I want to start by playing you a little snippet from that album. Lee Rittenauer uh, and his song, Let's Not Talk About It. Let's take a listen. So if you haven't guessed, I want to talk about the evolution of denim, denim, denim. <laughs> uh, that's the... Wait, were you saying denim? Denim. Oh, okay. I've nicknamed it denim. Like <laughs> your jeans are made of denim. So I'm just going to say denim, denim, say, denim. Denim, denim, denim. Yeah, that's what most people say. <laughs> butter, butter, butter. Butter, butter, butter. Butter, butter. <laughs> butter or denim. Denim, denim, denim. It's two um, types of people in the world. Butters and denims. Butters and denims. So <laughs> if you don't know, which I'm sure everybody listening does, that was, the, well, I guess you could say that became the underground theme to Super Mario Brothers. But uh, this was back in 1979 before the Nintendo and the uh, Famicom ever came out. So there's that. So if, you, if you're a longtime listener and you remember back in Evolution Month, I talked about how a Mr. Koji Kondo had tried to steal Maurice Ravel's Bolero and claim it as the Legend of Zelda theme. Well, it looks like 
he's up to his old tricks again. And he, uh, <laughs> prior to that, when he was working on the Mario game, he, he was trying to, I don't know, what do you say? Inspired by? Sure. Sampled. Sampled. Well, didn't, isn't this where we came up with like Koji Kondo is the laziest lazy of all time. Lazy and unoriginal. Yeah. But you know, he's, I guess, prolific still, and inspired. Still prolific. Yeah. Inspired. That's a nice way. Inspired. Yeah. Well, you know, he, in many, several interviews, Koji Kondo, he does claim that jazz and classical music and all these other forms of music that you can hear, uh, inspirations from, um, that he's a fan of. So it makes sense. But with that one, you hear that baseline and you're just like, oh man, there's Mario. Um, so when Koji, uh, Mario wasn't the first game he did. He started with uh, Punch-Out. I believe Punch-Out, the arcade version, was the first game he worked on. And this was prior to being um, hired by Nintendo. He, according to um, Wikipedia, he was the third hire uh, on the sound team for Nintendo, but he was the first one to take a real crack at some of the bigger games. And of course, when he came up with the entire soundtrack to Super Mario Brothers, um, he was pretty much I don't know, a household name, maybe, maybe not quite yet, but yeah. the song was definitely being hummed in every single household. Yeah. He was, I think that like cemented him into Nintendo forever. Absolutely. And then it was a year later that he did the legend of Zelda soundtrack again, entirely by himself. And he pretty much composed every soundtrack by himself up until, um, the N64 era. The last game he composed by himself was a little game called Ocarina of Time, which I believe he did such a horrible job on that soundtrack that they're like, dude, you can't, you can't be doing these soundtracks by yourself anymore. So <laughs> since then, I guess that's, that's going to be an unpopular. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm obviously joking. I know, he's, I know. he's amazing. Um, but I guess around that time was when, um, I guess instrumentation got uh, a little bit more expansive. Like, um, you were able to incorporate a lot more sounds. So you started incorporating more people, getting them involved in the teams. Like when you got into the GameCube era, uh, in that generation, you were getting, uh, symphonies and orchestrated music. So bit of an evolution there, but, uh, we're talking about denim, denim, denim. So with that said, we heard, uh, I guess you could say his inspiration, I put together a little medley um, that will take us through the generations <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> and play us a little sampling of everything from the very beginning till the very end. This is, I guess, over 30 years of denim, denim, denim. So without further ado, let's listen to uh, the underground theme from Mario by Koji Kondo. Thank you. 
And it's probably worth noting that although he did the first couple versions of the song, uh, and he's the original composer to the underground theme, um, it's been uh, recomposed and put together by several other people on the Nintendo team through the decades. Do you guys have a favorite, um, I don't, I'm not gonna say Mario game, I guess underground level. Underground theme? There's one in just about every single Mario game. Now the underground theme is not always the same, but in most cases it is. Like if you remember Mario 2 or Super Mario World, they're a little different. Yeah. But do you guys have any favorites? Uh, my go-to is always world. Like my go-to is always going to be a world. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. and, and part of the reason is for the music, like that updated underground theme is so like that was, I remember hearing that after hearing the original, yeah. I was like, damn, this is cool. This is good. This is a good, like, this is a good evolution of it. Yeah. How about you, Norm? I'm trying to, I'm trying to picture where it comes into play in world. Well, uh, in, like, in what level? Super Mario World? Yeah, and, war, and it's uh, like World 3 after you like um, go into the cave area. Oh, the map music. I think the... M- when you go... Well, so the underground theme doesn't play in, in World. Yeah. but Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's your favorite of the underground themes. Yeah. It's yeah. not a remix of this one. Okay, that, no, was, yeah, my, yeah, yeah. that was what I was trying to... I was like, is it actually? Um, probably Super Mario Bros. 2 for me. Cool. I guess. Yeah. Sorry, is that, is that like your, is that your, also your all time favorite Mario? Uh, probably. Is that, that yours three. too, Jordan? Or three is, no, for you. two is, I like two better than you three, like two? Yeah. but 64 might edge out as my favorite Mario game of all time. Yeah. This, this is a bit of a tangent, but like, I know we've talked about donkey. I think on this, I think I've talked about donkey on the podcast before video game donkey. If you don't know YouTube channel, fantastic. Go check it out. But Every I didn't know this, but like a super long running joke for him. I was like going back and watching all his like um, he does like year and review videos. He always gives game of the year to Super Mario Bros. 2. Awesome. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. Yeah. He's just like, I, it's Super Mario Bros. 2 again. <laughs> it's just so funny. I don't watch his channel, but now I have to. Yeah, you should. You I should like go back him. and watch like his best of or whatever. I think mm-hmm. it is like best of 2015, best of 2014. It's I, fantastic. I wish that game would get more love though. It was the, like, again, any, any one of the, I, uh, I feel like they're going to go back to it eventually. Like m- Nintendo always makes, you know, these roundabout trips and I know it, I know it was the super odd man out and everything, but I feel like eventually we're going to get like a proper, not like a remake, but like the treatment that the new super Mario bros got. Yeah. But there, there was a lot of crossover with, um, not just because uh, for those that don't know, the Doki Doki Panic game was, um, wasn't just a different game though, but it had some licensing property with another company and that's where all the weird characters came from. Oh, so, so I'm wondering if we can't have those characters. Yeah. I don't know. Like the main characters were changed, but I think a lot of, I, I don't know what amount came from Mario two uh, and what amount came from Doki Doki Panic. So there might be some issues there, but you can see we, we kept Birdo and a few other characters from that series. Um, it's Wart is from that series, right? Yeah. Is that maybe that's why we've never seen him again? He's a cool character. He is cool. He's I mean, in, like uh, throwing vegetables into his mouth to kill him is so much cooler <laughs> than like a, a standard Bowser fight to yeah, me, at least. Definitely different. He's in uh, Link's Awakening. Yeah, that that's big true. Frog. It's basically Wart. I think that might have been the last time he was in a Mario game. Yeah, he he's got to come or back. What are you game? doing, Wart? <laughs> Get back here. Well, he's not of this reality. He's in Subcon. Subcon, but yeah. how did the shy guys get out? I don't know. Good question. <laughs> they found a portal that he couldn't fit through or something. <laughs> so you can put the uh, 
X-Files music over this, right? <laughs> Every episode. <laughs> Every episode. I might actually like find like a little X-Files soundbite or something. An 8-bit X-Files. That's what I need to find. So I'm just going to wrap this up real quick. Um, the second last song we heard in that medley was actually not, actually the last two songs weren't technically Mario games. Um, the second last one was Wario Land Shake It. And the very last one was from Smash Bros. Brawl, but you know, that's kind of a Mario game. Uh, but the Wario one, I want to talk about real quick um, because that's another game that's been on my list to talk about and I don't know if it'll ever fit in. So I'm going to kind of slide it in here because <laughs> it had the denim, denim, denim baseline yeah. in, in the song. Um, when the game was being developed, they actually had, um, there was another song they were working on. They had it really on their website for you to listen to as, as the game was being developed. They're like, here, here's some songs we have. Take a listen. As we develop the game, this is what we're thinking for music. One of them was an even more um, Mario-fied denim, denim, denim song. And it was meant for a level called the Plumber's Cave. And if you hear it, which we didn't have it in the medley, um, but if you hear it, you're like, man, that sounds even more Mario than the version that was in the medley. The one in the medley was an official song though. This was a beta that never got released officially. Um, you hear it and you're like, oh man, that's so groovy. It's kind of like got this, like this, this like pimp groove. Like you just, <laughs> you, you hear it and you're like, oh like man, funky, funky and oh, you're yeah. just like strutting down the street to this. It's awesome. Uh, this really good Mario flair. Um, but yeah, they cut it from the game, but it sounds like they sort of repurposed it for, uh, for Wario, for a different Wario level. And aside from it having the denim, denim, denim baseline, um, it's used for an underground cave type level. So it still totally fits. You could tell it's definitely inspired by it. Uh, and just to t sort of um, bring the whole thing around again, I, I did find that song and I thought rather than including it in the medley, since it's not official, that we'll probably close out the show with it. So nice. listen to the end and you'll hear this beta version of the song. It's called Plumber's Cave and totally has a Mario groove to it. You said which Wario game was it? Wario Land Shake It. Was that the GBA one? No, this was on the Wii. This is... Um, oh, okay, yeah. You hold the remote, like, classic NES controller style, yeah. and you shake it up and down. And the idea is, like, it's a Wario platformer game. It's one of my favorite games on Wii, so play it. Please play it if you haven't, uh, and you're a Wii, Wii collector. Um, the idea is, like, it's a classic platformer, but there, the added element is that you shake everything. So you grab, <laughs> you grab certain bad guys, you grab bags of money, and then you just shake the Wiimote up and down like you're choking somebody out. <laughs> and then in the game, the animation uh, is of Wario like shaking it. And then the, the harder you shake money it, and the faster you shake out. it, the more money flies out. That's good. And it's cool. Like the art style is, is all hand-drawn. It looks amazing. I don't think I've played that one. Even like, I don't think we've played it at your house. Maybe we should. No, we, we definitely should. And uh, if you, ha um, I'm trying to think now, it had one of the best YouTube ads I've yeah, ever seen. Yeah, I was seen. just going to ask you if you remember it? that. Um, yeah, okay. So <laughs> do you know, Mike? I don't actually, so oh, okay. this would be fun for me. Yeah, it, it would start playing like a regular YouTube video, but as Wario would interact with the game, I do remember it would this. start to affect things in the uh, in the web space. In like the, the sidebar around the, the yeah, YouTube yeah, yeah, video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, really like well he done. would like <laughs> break a brick or something, and then all of a sudden like the chat box would shake and slide off the screen, and like the fonts would all slide all over the place, and then eventually the whole screen just comes apart. Yeah, like everything would like, collect at the bottom of the screen. Yeah. As all like the all the lines like fell apart, and then you have a big pile of like text and stuff at the yeah. bottom. I do remember this. It yeah. blew my mind. That I know, was really cool. I know it that was like, 
like when do a barrel roll came around yeah, and yeah, spun the yeah, you did that. <laughs> yeah. They uh they actually added to that so this is another tangent, but um is it Keith Apicary? Is that right? Yeah. Uh so um have you seen I can't I don't think it's BuzzFeed, but it's one of those like web those web uh like funny or die or those web companies that do videos and they do that if Google was a guy. Okay. Have you seen yeah, these? Yeah. yeah. So like it's like the premises, if you haven't seen it, is like Google is just a guy sitting at a desk and like people come in and ask him questions and he has just like stacks of paper and he hands them their results as a stack of paper. And on the third or fourth version of it, Keith Apicary is the last person and he types do a barrel roll and he's like, no, don't do that. And then oh. like a whole like room like spins and he's just laughing like a maniac the whole time. That's awesome. If you don't know Keith Apicary, he's a YouTube, another YouTuber and just like really like the most nerdy guy you can picture as a YouTuber. He's hilarious though. Yeah. Really he, funny he has dude. like a big arcade collection and he's yeah. a, a Sega fan. Yeah. And he's been like trying to break in. He's, he's appeared on IGN stuff from time to time. He kind of just, now it seems like he just like appears at other people's stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's like his main source of income. But anyway, so that's it. For that's it. Denim, 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 denim. Denim. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it's uh, my turn next. And I selected for this week, uh, duck hunt, the game duck hunt. What? Yeah. So I was like, like a lot of light gun games don't have a lot of music. So I was like, what am I going to do? Like, when am I going to fit in a light gun game? So I had to do duck hunt, obviously the, the premier light gun game. Uh, and the track that I picked is everything because there's only like the whole soundtrack. Yeah. There's some total. There's like three minutes of music in this game. I didn't do the uh, clay shooting music. I just did the duck hunting music. Yeah. Um, this game was obviously developed by Nintendo, Nintendo R and D one, which we've talked about before, uh, published by Nintendo, of course. And in 1984 in Japan is when it hit. And the music is by Hip Tanaka, which I think now may be our most talked about composer. Uh, Chip, like Chip Hip Tanaka. Chip Hip Tanaka. I think we have to do like a list, but we've talked about him a lot. So used to him be Dave, Total KK. Yeah, I was going to say used to be David, David Wise, Wise, but, but yeah, <laughs> as time goes on. Um, so I think uh, on the podcast before, if you're a longtime listener, I've talked about like my first video game experiences. So like my very first video game experience that I can remember going back um, was on PC. It was like a, it was a family friend um, of my parents. We would go over there for dinner all the time. And the wife would like, she had like a really early computer and she had just like a few, like, you know, the simple solitaire and stuff like that. And she would take and show me games and stuff. And I thought that was awesome. Uh, my, my first handheld experience was again, another family friend, the, uh, the dad or the husband had a, the OG game boy, the big fat gray one. And, uh, after dinner, I would go sit in a corner with it plugged into the wall and play like Tetris and stuff. But I'm pretty sure that my very first console experience ever was duck hunt. So yet again, another family friend, um, dad had bought an NES. He like liked gaming a little bit, you know, it wasn't like a hardcore game or anything, but he saw the light gun. He's a uh, avid hunter and saw the light gun, saw duck hunt and was like, ah, oh, yeah, why not? So, and we used to go over the end again for dinners and he had two sons and like after dinner, we would go in the basement and I'm pretty sure the first console game I ever played was duck hunt. And I remember thinking that it was like crazy that it was like not with a controller, not with a keyboard, not with buttons or anything. It was the light gun and shooting ducks. So I had to include this. This is like, this is extremely nostalgic for me. Like being my very first experience that I can remember. Like, yeah. And I got to kind of add to that. Yeah, go Sorry. Ahead. Um, so my first console experience was similar. I had a friend in school, probably second grade who had 
maybe a bit later, second or third grade, he had the NES and he had Duck Hunt, Mario, Zelda, and Ice Hockey. Okay. And nice. but that's a good collection. <laughs> he was he he wouldn't let me play Zelda because I wasn't good enough. He would he would either make me play hockey so he could beat me. Okay. <laughs> or he would let me play Duck Hunt or Mario. But I wasn't allowed to play Zelda because I wasn't good enough. That's a bad friend. That was he was a <laughs> he was a bad friend. But I have to thank him because he added that much more mystery to the Legend of Zelda to me. And when I eventually played it, it was like Yeah. That much better. You were right? that much more excited yeah. for it, right? And you had to prove him wrong. So you got really good at Zelda. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. Yeah. So um and like, yeah, like I said, like this is super nostalgic to me, even more nostalgic than Sonic 2, which is the first game I ever owned, the first console I ever owned. And the sounds of this game in particular, like just always, always, no matter how many times I hear them, they will always take me back to like however old I was when we went over there for the first time and I actually experienced it like maybe, I don't know, six or seven or something. I was really young and uh so yeah, but I'll always like it always, I can still remember like what their basement looked like. Like this is something that I wonder if like kids will experience it, but you guys tell me if it was the same for you. Unfinished basements are like the best. Well, but it's like <laughs> the, that's like reminds me of my youth. Like whenever I walk into somebody's house and their basement is unfinished, I like feel like a kid again. Cause like my basement was unfinished. All my like friends basements were unfinished. So we would play like hockey in the basement. We would play. And then there was always like a brown, like, dial turn TV. Like for all you youngsters, I have oh, no yeah. idea what I'm talking about. Click, click, click. If you want to talk about unfinished basements real quick, the first time I ever played the Nintendo entertainment system was in my uncle's basement and they were renovating it and they didn't have stairs. So they literally had to pick me up and like Lower hold me, me up. Down? No, no, no. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the basement. So they're holding me up oh, and okay. somebody on the, on the main floor is like reaching down and like lifting me out. <laughs> that had, sounds extremely they had, dangerous. Like, they had like a, 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 some boxes or something they climbed up and down on. I forget, okay. but anyways. Yeah. So like unfinished basements and like, I can still remember the basement, the, where the TV was, where the couches were, what like the unfinished basement looked like when we were playing that game down there. So, and how far away from the TV did you sit when you played? Uh, <laughs> probably like, I think when I started playing, like I was bad at it and I didn't, I didn't know how to like aim the gun, a gun or even a light gun. So like there was, it was always like you play a bit and then he would be like, watch this. And then you just go right up to the TV and, yeah, and yeah. you're like, that's cheating though. <laughs> so, but yeah. So, um, with all that said, let's just listen to all the music from duck hunt for the NES. And yeah, so of course I had to, you know, put in, even though it's not music, I had to put in the iconic dog laugh yeah, at the was, very end. It was a bit jarring to hear the the part without the dog barking three times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah, without the dog bark, it sounds a little weird, but I just had to put in the laugh. But yeah, the dog bark is definitely second most important sound. <laughs> There's probably a good uh, remixed version on the, on, on the newest Smash game, right? Oh yeah. Because the duck on dog and duck are, are playable characters, so they, they probably are. have a song. I think it's a medley in there. There's a bunch of old NES stuff, and it's part of the medley. Okay. 
because obviously, like, it'd be you'd have to do a lot of remixing to get a whole song you out really, of really those stretch little it. Bits. Um, so I found a bunch of uh, fun duck hunt facts uh, that we'll talk about now. Um, cherry picked my favorite ones. So the duck hunt duck is actually the oldest Nintendo character of all, uh, even before uh, Game and Watch, uh, which was 1980, the first Game and Watch little handheld or Game and Watch game came out. Nintendo made a toy uh, before they were ever a video game company. They just made a toy called Duck Hunt and it was a toy gun connected to a projector that would project on a wall. And then it was essentially the same game. Uh, the graphics weren't as good and stuff, but you were basically just pointing a gun and it would detect if you were pointing in the right sh- place when you took a shot. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. That was in 1976. That toy was released by Nintendo. So that was like when they were still mostly a card company. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Um, it's not the oldest uh, NES light gun game. Wild Gun actually beats it by a month uh, in Japan. So it was released a month earlier on the Famicom in Japan. Um, it's the best selling light gun game of all time because it was bundled in with the NES. Uh, so that otherwise it, it would have gone to Barker Bell's trick shooting. <laughs> actually, that's coming up. Uh, but yeah, so it was um, it was bundled in. But it's Duck Hunt's really weird because there's like three versions of it. And like back in the cartridge days it was pretty weird for there to be three versions of a game but there was you could buy it as on its own you could buy it bundles with super mario and then later on it came bundled with super mario and also world-class track meet yeah the three pack i never saw until we went to that store in edmonton i never saw the three pack did you have i just remembering just remember that i kind of oh yeah (laughs) i had kind of had a silver label Yeah, yeah yeah it was a little different and like uh, like the image that they use for the three games is a little slightly different. It's funny when I see Mario by itself or Duck Hunt by itself. Yeah, you're like, what, I, what are these doing I alone? <laughs> I, I feel like the, the the traditional version is the two pack. For yeah, me. exactly. For me too. I think, well, I think that one definitely has like the greatest number. Yeah, that was the pack in, I think. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, 65, over 65 million units, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. Um, wow. Yeah. So one of the things, uh, if you're, if you're a youngster again and you don't know about light guns and NESs and stuff like that. Uh, one of the other things you need for a light gun game is a CRT TV, which basically means those big, those big, heavy old tube TVs that you, I'm sure everyone's seen at least once. Um, and the reason I I was did some research on it today, I've always known. So how very simply how the light gun works is that inside the light gun, it's not shooting anything out. It's actually a sensor. It's reading something. And so when you pull the trigger. In a, in a split second faster than you can see it, the screen goes black and there's two little white dots where the ducks are. And so it's looking for those white dots. And the reason it doesn't work on modern TVs is CRTs have a faster response time, lower lag, if you will, than any modern set. No, even the best modern sets like super fast L, uh, LCD screens and stuff can't match the lag time because it's basically an analog process that's going on. There's no digital component to it. And so there's almost no delay. And that's why light guns don't work on modern screens. Um, Also, just to go back to last week, Smash Bros, to talk about CRTs and delay and stuff like that. um, For like Smash enthusiasts, CRT is the only way to play Smash because of the lag so that there's no delay between your controller, the inputs you put into the controller and what happens on screen. And um, me and my friends, uh, this is something I got chastised for by many people, but me and my friends went out and bought an old, spent $100 on an old, uh, late model Toshiba CRT. That's actually a 16 by nine HD CRT um, just to play smash. That's how much we play smash. So, and that thing weighs like 
300 and something pounds. It's so heavy. We carried it out of this guy's basement up these very narrow set of stairs, but 100% worth hardcore. It. That's what they do in all the tournaments too. If you watch any they of the Smash bring, tournaments, yeah, they always have a CRT on Nothing stage. but CRTs. Doesn't matter how big or small they are. That's, that's the way that the purist will play. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the only way to play. Um, the other thing I didn't know is that Duck Hunt has a kill screen. Um, and if you don't know what a kill screen is, a kill screen is when basically you exceed the number of levels in a game like Pac-Man or something like that, where there's like, you know, you, you go up and so many people don't get there because so many people aren't good enough to play to that level. But on Duck Hunt, if you have 99 perfect rounds, the counter resets to zero and then like the dogs and the ducks start glitching out and like flashing all over the screen and they're like, they're up for less than a second and it's just like super crazy. So I didn't know that. That's cool. <laughs> um, few more things. Uh, there's a two player mode of Duck Hunt, if you didn't know, which I never knew until Aaron came over to my house <laughs> that one night and he's like, if you're player two, you can control the duck. And I never knew that. <laughs> that was like, that was a revelation to That's me. That's just what you tell your, your little brother when you're, uh, no, I know it's true. I know it's I, true. I, but it was like blew my mind. Um, and then Barker Bill's trick shooting, yep. which you just mentioned. The dog, the duck hunt dog is in Barker Bill's trick shooting. And he actually, his job again is to laugh at you if you do bad. Yeah. <laughs> so Barker Bill's trick shooting, if you don't know, it's just another like on game. Uh, it's like a, it's kind of at like a, a carnival almost is the setting. And you were playing all these like carnivals, carnival shooting games so that's a game that so i have a light gun thanks to jordan and uh he bought me one one year for christmas after i had not had one for years and at nes and all that good stuff and barker bill's trick shooting is one of the games i bought for it on ebay and then we started playing it and it's like this is the greatest light gun yeah game. it quickly became our favorite light gun shooter game it, it's it's a lot of fun yeah have just, you played it no i haven't but just out of curiosity you're saying light gun, but you mean the zapper, right? The zapper, the NES okay. zapper. Yeah. yeah. Only a ever, light gun is just a term the, for the, any. The device is a light gun. That's yeah. what I was curious if there was like an off brand called light gun <laughs> or something. Yeah. 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 People okay. seem to call it different things. I've heard some people call it light gun. Some people call it zapper. Some people just call it the gun. It's, it's yeah. The, the zapper, the, I think, is the yeah, official name. The official name is the zapper. Yeah. Uh, and then the last thing uh, that I'll tell you is like so many of us tried to do um, at the end of a round, you'll know if you've ever played duck hunt, if you miss the two ducks, the dog pops out of the grass and instead of holding one or two of the ducks, he just laughs at you. He does his signature laugh that we heard at the end there. And everybody, I think everybody in the world who's ever played it has shot at the dog because you get so mad. You're like, don't laugh at me, you dumb dog. And, and they all say the same thing. I wish I could shoot the dog. And you can shoot the dog if you are playing the arcade game. So I didn't know this, but in 1984, when the game came out, uh, Nintendo also released uh, like a stand-up arcade version of it. And in that version, there's a if you play the versus the two-player versus mode, there's a bonus round. And in the bonus round, it's just there's a ton of ducks on screen, and you try and shoot as many ducks as you can. And in that, the dog like jumps through the grass, and you can shoot him. And at the end of it, he comes out, and he's got crutches. Uh, his leg in a cast and his face is all bruised up. It's <laughs> fantastic. Which is a weird thing to happen to you after you get shot. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> so, and he kind of like chastises you for it. So, so you can shoot the dog, but you have to pay quarters for it and you have to find uh, an arcade cabinet, which these days is probably pretty tricky. So that's all the things I have to say about <laughs> duck hunt. Do you guys have any duck hunt memories? Do you remember the, or did you ever see the suit of armor that someone made out of duck hunt, Mario duck hunt cartridges? <laughs> Is that because there's so many of them out there? there's so many of them. Someone made a full suit of armor. No, I them. haven't seen that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> um, 
Duck Hunt, not so much, but yeah, like the combo pack, that was my first Nintendo game. Yeah. I think my, my first introduction to it was at a Toys R Us. And uh, the first level I ever played was the second last level, the th- or no, the first level of World 8. It was like World 8-1. I walked into a Toys R Us and there was this teenager that was totally killing it at Mario. And he like sees me waiting in line behind him and he turns to me and says, you want to play? And I said, sure. And I grabbed the controller and it said World 8-1. And that was my first time playing Mario. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. <laughs> you started at the end. Um, the other thing I have to mention about the Zapper, um, did you have the gray one or was that Aaron? Well, the gray one was the U.S. version. So actually, I, so I, I read about it today. I thought that too. But oh, it's, what happened was the gray one was only released for, I think it was less than a year. So what happened was, uh, if you've ever seen most people who have seen the Zapper, think of it as an orange, a bright, bright orange gun. And what happened was shortly after it was introduced, uh, laws passed in Canada and in the States that said that all toy guns had to be painted this very particular color of orange. And so because Aaron has like the first version of that combo pack, he actually has the gray zapper, which is like almost impossible to find now because it was produced for such a short amount of time, but he, he's got one. So it was released everywhere just for a limited time. Is, yeah. Very short run. And that explains why all the nerf guns and, and bullets all have the big orange tips and everything. Yeah. Super yeah. soakers, all that. Yeah. So yeah, that, that law was passed in like 1980, like midway through 1985. So after the NES was launched in North America. So yeah. That's Duck Hunt. Norm, what do you got for this this week? I am going to be talking about Black Knight 2000. I, I spelled it wrong in my notes. Black Knight 2000. Okay, I was going, <laughs> is this another misspell? <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, I thought it was like Lightning Force, <laughs> which I talked about on the last remix no, radio. That misspelling mistake was all mine. Okay. <laughs> uh, I own it. Um, so it's a, it's a pinball game. Not exactly a video game, but a pinball game. What? Yeah, that's that's a first for VGM generation. <laughs> Files music. No, um, oh, no, that's not. <laughs> sure, Twilight I don't remember it now. Yeah, that's Twilight Zone. Uh, <laughs> no, it's like denim, denim. No. Uh, <laughs> okay, so Black Knight Two Thousand was a Williams pinball machine. Uh, a lot of them were. Uh, came out in 1989 and was a sequel to Black Knight. The pinball machine by Williams in from 1980. So nine years after they made a sequel with the number 2000 after it, because that's what you did before the year 2000. Um, so futuristic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of one of uh, Black Knight 2000's best features was its ability to taunt you while you browsed the comic store or played Magic: The Gathering. Um, so. It was one of these talking pinball machines, and I I don't know if it had a sensor that knew when you were nearby. I don't know. Aaron would actually probably know these answers, but it seemed like whenever you would get too close to it, the knight would taunt you. He'd Uh be like, give me your money. Or like, (laughs) fight me. Like, it was was pretty awesome. That is awesome. uh, (laughs) So he would taunt you to play him, so you wouldn't be able to get him out of your head. And then when you would play it, uh, the music was so damn good that that kept you coming back for more. So it's really the only pinball game I really got into, mainly for the music. So obviously memorable music, and what better month to feature it? Um, So just a bit more. It was designed by Steve Ritchie, who I believe designed a lot of pinball games back at the time. He uh, he seems pretty famous just looking at his 
his list of achievements in the Pinball Hall of Fame. Um, some of the marketing slogans for Black Knight 2000 was, uh, he rides again and he's back and the best born to run and built to last. <laughs> so I, Sounds I, like a truck commercial. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was pretty young at the time, so I don't know how popular Black Knight was, but, but it got know. you, it got, yeah, it got me. Um, so, uh, like I said, the music was so good that it kept me coming back. So let's have a listen to the Black Knight 2000 music. Uh, oh, sorry. Before I, before we play it, uh, it was by Dan Forden, Brian Schmidt and Steve Ritchie. I, I mentioned Steve Ritchie is the designer. He was the voice of the Black Knight, if, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So that's probably his credit for this track. Oh, because there are some lyrics, uh, some backup singing, and he, he'll taunt you throughout the song as well. So have a listen. I am the Black Knight. again the three guys you said oh uh let me see dan forden brian schmidt and steve ritchie and i think steve ritchie's wife or girlfriend did the uh, choir that 
plays in the background. Yeah. Do you recognize those names for some reason? Dan Forden sounds familiar. Okay. Can now, you place it? Well, you have to cut this out if I'm wrong. I, I feel like Googling it, but fine, I, yeah. I feel like he's uh, he was involved in the Mortal Kombat games and Williams was involved That's true. with Mortal Kombat in the 90s. Okay. So could be wrong on that, but... We'll look it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like I said, this was... This was in our uh, comic book store, and uh, wait, where, where? Oh, where I grew up in Terrace, BC. Okay, the, the comic store was called Comic Encounters, um, and I only found out like a year ago that it's named after the board game Cosmic Encounter, which I only recently played a couple of years ago, which is an awesome board game. Just as an aside, is it good? <laughs> it's is it great. Good? Yeah, it's like the best board game I've played. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so. I did look it up real quick. So the reason why the name Dan Forden sounds so familiar, I, um, I thought he might be involved with Williams in some way to this day. Um, yeah, he was. He worked with in Mortal Kombat growing up um, in the 90s, and he was the sound composer designer. Uh, most people know him as the toasty guy from Mortal Kombat. Oh, there so you go. So I don't know if you guys, how familiar you are with Mortal Kombat. Is you he know the th guy who said it? Toasty. He is the guy. He's the guy, he's the guy that pops <laughs> that out of the corner. Great, that was a great uh, impression. <laughs> In Mortal Kombat 2, he, uh, when he pops up on the screen, you can hit down and start to unlock smoke. So right. that's cool. So he was involved in this pinball game. <laughs> um, so uh, notable features of the Black Knight pinball machine include <clears throat> uh, three flippers, three pop bumpers, two ramps, two three-bank three bank drop targets, <clears throat> one vertical up kicker, one split level play field, a horseshoe lane, a magna save, and a kickback. So pretty good. I, you know, it's funny because <laughs> some of those terms, it paints a pretty vivid picture. It sounds pretty cool. I feel like the, all the pinball guys who listen to this podcast right now are like freaking out. They're like, <laughs> oh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know what any of those. I know what a ramp is and a flipper. Yeah, well, the, the split level thing. Oh yeah, that, that, that's I, like just, I guess level. I just have to think about what I was saying. <laughs> I don't always <laughs> I, do that. I, I don't do that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'll also mention, since it is a essentially a video game music podcast, a lot of these pinball machines have been reproduced in digital forms. So uh, Black Knight 2000 is featured in a, one such reproduction called the Pinball Arcade, and you can find that for a lot of mobile platforms, and I think it's even for uh, Xbox, PS, and uh, other console systems. Very cool. Yeah. So you can go play the Black Knight if, yeah. if you so choose. All right, Norm. Uh, so now it comes to the time where we ask you, what have you been playing, Norm? Uh, aside from Overwatch, I started playing Metroid... Uh, Samus Returns, or and? The Return of Samus. Oh, crap. Samus, Samus Returns. Returns. Yeah, Samus Returns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's good. It's uh, certifiably Metroid, I will say that. Yeah. Um, I'm enjoying it. So it's a bit of a slow burn, but I, that's how I felt about the original uh, Return of Samus. So uh, it fits. Yeah. I heard that the end, I haven't, I haven't played it yet even, and I'm, obviously I can't ruin anything because I haven't seen it, but I heard that the final boss is unbelievable so cool i'm excited to play it and get there i think um maybe over christmas or something i'm i'm gonna i want to plow through it like i want to that's the way i enjoy metroid games the most is like either on a plane on like a super long like a like a transcontinental flight or something like that where you just you can just go and that's what that's the way i like playing just those go, games yeah i go rent a sensory deprivation chamber for <laughs> yeah. like two days and <laughs> that'd be awesome there. yeah 
you can't you can't put Metroid on the shelf though. You'll forget where you left off. Exactly. That's why you yeah. have to play through the whole thing. Yeah, it's way better that way. So that's what I'm gonna try and do. So yeah, I've been playing that, and I also picked up a game that was released last week called Battle Chasers. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. It's so that's on Steam, right? It's on Steam. Yeah. Yeah, I think and I might have that on my list. I don't know. Yeah, and it it was a Kickstarter. Um, Originally, it was a, a comic book in the mid-90s. Uh, it went for about, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 issues. Not a lot, but it was pretty powerful or popular uh, back in the day. Um, I didn't know of it back then. I didn't find out about it until kind of the early aughts. But uh, I liked it a lot. And then a couple of years ago, the creator wanted to do a classic-style RPG of uh, to pick up basically where the comic book left off. And I'm not too far into it, but it definitely does kind of spark that classic uh, SNES RPG uh, feeling so far. So looking forward to that one. Yeah, That's a good one. Uh, just to go, I, I said that I wouldn't do this a long time ago, but just to go back to Overwatch, have you played any of like the Halloween content? Yep. Yeah, I browsed through the yeah. new costumes. The new skins? Yeah. Oh, yeah. they're so good. Yeah, they're, they're so awesome. I, I honestly think that like the Overwatch t- team is like the best skins team ever. Every time they release a new skin, I'm like, damn, that's cool. Like there's been like in all the ones they've released, I think there's like two that I don't like. Like they're so good. Love it. They, they need to start. Like there's a lot of characters that just don't have extra stuff. I've noticed like, that. Yeah. Like there's a couple characters that get ignored a lot. And sometimes it's the new ones like yeah. uh, Doomfist. Mm-hmm. I know like I've noticed he hasn't gotten anything extra yet. Um, and he's only he's only been in for like two special events. So maybe around Christmas or yeah. something, they'll do like a Christmas Doomfist. <laughs> and like McCree's gotten a, an outfit a ton. for almost every event. Yeah. Right? yeah. Soldier 76. Um Anna's got a lot. I don't know. Anna's got a lot. Yeah. yeah. Junkrat's got a lot. Yeah. It's like, there's like a core group that they like, but I think some of them are more, um, I don't know, not prone to it, but like, it's just easier for those characters. Easier you know what I mean? Think up an idea. Or, yeah. Especially yeah. McCree since she's like, just like that cowboy with a gun is like so, so easily modified. Right. So they probably, like do they, they would probably go by popularity. You think? Because I don't know. With Street Fighter, it's that way. It's always like Chun Li, yeah, and all the all the female I, characters get all the all the skins. <laughs> yeah. That's for a different reason, to, though. <laughs> they sell them, right? Yeah, you have to well, buy them. You so can that. you can do both. Like you can buy right. most of them with in-game currency, but, right? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah can, with Overwatch, it's loot boxes, which is loot boxes, which is a yeah, uh, yeah. If you There's, buy loot boxes hoping to get one specific skin, it's I don't know. I've well, only I've only fallen tough. into that trap once, and that was uh, over Christmas. Yeah, I I went crazy, and I think I bought like I don't know, like thirty dollars of loot boxes trying to get the Nutcracker. Um, oh no! You and did, I never did. You didn't get it. No, well, it'll be cheap this year. Well, and that's the other thing because I I was worried that the, it was literally going to be a one time thing. Yeah, we and didn't it know wouldn't come then. around again because yeah. we didn't know that at Christmas because we hadn't quite made a, a year a loop but now that i know that uh you're always going to be able to rebuy it on the second mm-hmm. go then i'm just going to wait for that zenyatta's skin is pretty awesome the for the halloween one? yeah the, the mind uh, flare the cthulhu yeah. kind of thing yeah, yeah yeah that's it's crazy looking so anyway too much overwatch talk but i love it <laughs> um so what we're going to add to the we're going to talk about the giveaway and what we're going to add to the giveaway is the pinball arcade which is free on steam but I'm willing to bet that it costs money on other platforms. So I'm going to add it to this is like the other platform game for people who don't play primarily on PC. So uh, one thing I will mention, Xbox finally just added it 
I can gift games, but for PlayStation and I think for Wii as well, there's no way to like gift a game. So I just have to, if you get that and you win this game, you basically just get like $10 for me on in-store credit uh, or iOS or Android. I can actually gift a game that way. So if you're a mobile player and you want to play some uh, Black Knight 2000 uh, on your on your Android or iOS, we can we can hook you up there. So that's Give what we're going to money. Be. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> there you go. That's what we're going to add to that one. And then uh, alongside that, we have Sunderdawn Steam or Sonic Mania on your platform of choice. Um, and to enter that giveaway, to win that giveaway, uh, all you have to do is hop onto Twitter or Facebook and uh, interact with us in any way, shape, or form that you so choose. Uh, the other way to uh, become an instant winner is to do pretty much, is to jump on uh, iTunes and uh, leave us a review. The reviews help us out a lot. Uh, we love it when we get nice positive reviews, make us, makes us feel good, and also basically gives you a thousand entries into the contest. So the only way it's not an instant win is if two people do it in the same month, and then I have to pick between the two of them. But really, I'm just going to give it to you the next month. So it's still an instant win, just not for maybe the month you pick for. <laughs> so if you want to game the system. Um, if you need to find us, search for VGM Generations in Google and we will pop up all over the place. Oh, another thing I wanted to mention is uh, we I added us to another uh, podcast service. So if you have a friend that's been holding out because they only listen to podcasts on Stitcher, we are now on Stitcher. Another, It's another of the most popular podcast services out there. So we are now on iTunes. We are on uh, the Google Play Store. We are on SoundCloud. And now we are also on Stitcher. So... Uh, I don't know if you can leave reviews on Stitcher, but if you can, that'd be great too. <laughs> I'll, I'll, find, find, I'll out. find out for sure for next for next week's podcast. Um, yeah, so that's it for this episode of Anything Goes Month, and we will catch you next time.